We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, to debut our fourth season of the podcast, wow, uh, we decided to review uh, the 2005 Fantastic Four movie. Oh, man, because it's going to be a fantastic fourth season, so why not? Why not just lean into it? <laughs> Fantastic Four and Where to Find Them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, just to take you back to the year of 2005, I'm going to give you a synopsis of the movie Fantastic Four. Now, Fantastic Four, based off of the comic book of the same name, uh, follows a group of astronauts that gain superpowers after a cosmic radiation exposure and must use them to oppose the plans of their enemy, Dr. Victor Von Doom. A lot of people would refer to this movie as the first Fantastic Four movie, but mm, mm, it's mm, not. This is not the first Fantastic Four movie, and there is an incredible documentary called Doomed that talks about the actual first Fantastic Four movie. I watched it. I love it. It's on Hulu and Amazon Prime. <laughs> Watch it. Like And for a fictionalized history of that original <laughs> Fantastic Four movie, you can go to another fourth season. Uh, the fourth season of Arrested Development briefly covers <laughs> the making of that movie. Yep, yep. Uh, but yes, so if you are interested in what we're about to talk about, uh, there is a whole documentary uh, featuring the actors uh, who were in the actual first Fantastic Four movie, which does play a role in the making of the 2005. So uh, in the early 90s, uh, Bernard um, Eckinger... Uh, Spelled like it sounds. <laughs> uh, he had the rights to the Fantastic Four, uh, but his rights were about to expire. Uh, and to avoid this, he commissioned Roger Corman uh, to make a film as fast as he possibly could. Now, Roger Corman is the B-movie king. Uh, he has, like, 55 directed films to his credit and 385 produced films between 1954 to 2008. He produced the original The Fast and the Furious movie in 1955. So, dude's been around for a while, but basically, if you can think of a B-movie that was reviewed, especially if it was like a monster movie that was reviewed on Mystery Science Theater, there's a solid chance that Roger Corman was behind it. Uh, they He made like some off-Jurassic Park movie just as fast as humanly possible with a really low budget. Uh, but anyway, that's Roger Corman. In a little nutshell. Uh, so the Fantastic Four movie was made and all the people in the movie were like, oh my gosh, we have a Marvel property. We're going to be like, this is finally our breakout film. But no one on set knew that this movie was never going to see the light of day and that they were going to make it and then never release it. Uh, and they mm. used it as leverage to be able to make the 2005 Fantastic Four movie. Uh, which is what we watched. Yeah, we mm. we did not watch the 1994 Fantastic Four movie. But if you, if you can find it or you have seen it, um, I want to hear all about it because it sounds fantastically bad. <laughs> uh, 
but they've then finally made the 2005 Fantastic Four movie, uh, and this movie was made after the success of Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie, uh, and it kind of has like a similar uh, lighthearted tone, and you can also see the influences that Norman Osborn's uh, origin had on Doctor Doom's, and fun comic book nerd fact, they went with the ultimate uh, origin of the Fantastic Four, where Doctor Doom was part of the initial uh, cosmic blast that gave everyone their powers, whereas in the original comics, he was just com someone completely different. So the original tone for the 2005 film was supposed to be uh, super comedic. Uh, they described it, Chris, Chris Columbus, who was, you know, wanting to buy the rights for the Fantastic Four movie, uh, said that he wanted it to be the most epic sitcom ever and that they were consciously trying to duplicate the formula uh, that resulted in, you know, the hugely panned uh, Batman and Robin um, film. So he wanted to make mm. it super, super campy. But it, it, his justification was Batman wasn't the appropriate franchise to attempt such a formula, but Fantastic Four was. <laughs> Probably right about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, don't disagree. If there is one to do it with, I mean, people thought that Guardians was going to flop for the same reason. Right. And then they're like, no, we got this. But it's still, I, th I think the 2005 one still has plenty of comedic moments, though. And oh. calling out things very tongue-in-cheek like, where are your ears? It's true. <laughs> How does the thing hear? He has no ears. Yeah, no, that was such a solid question. Like, just looking at them. Uh, now, uh, originally, and I remember this, I remember seeing this in the theaters, Fantastic Four was supposed to come out July 4th, 2005. Ah. Uh, but it was delayed by four days uh, to avoid competing with Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds during its first week. Yeah, that you lose that battle. Yeah, you really do. So it... Came out July 8th, uh, and with a budget of $100 million, it made $330 million, making it a real commercial success. Uh, and it was followed by Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, and the reboot in 2015, Fan Four Stick. Oh, Fan Four Stick. I'll tell you now, Fan Four Stick was the only Fantastic Four movie I had seen for a long time. Oh, really? So you, ha you didn't watch the original? No, this was my first time seeing it. And right after I finished watching this, I watched Rise of the Silver Surfer. Oh, yeah. So you're going to, for the first time. So you're going to have to pardon me if I slip between them, but I'll try to stick to the first one as much as possible. Okay, all right. I just I... had to know. You know, there's so many unanswered questions. I just had to know. And I just had to see Galactus on screen. And I still do. <laughs> When Grayson originally suggested that we watch this movie, uh, I had Nay some... Nay, demand it. <laughs> True. Uh, I had some reservations because here's my experience with Fantastic Four. I remember being in the theaters um, and... Nay, it was a long time ago, so I remember in my Nickelodeon, I was sitting there watching the screen, and they are showing a trailer for Fantastic Four. I had watched Fantastic Four as an animated series uh, in the 90s, and I was pretty familiar with them, especially they did like a crossover episode in the Spider-Man Fox Kids cartoon, and I was like, oh. I know about the Fantastic Four, and a long, long time ago, uh, Cartoon Network played like old episodes, like The Thing had his own cartoon show, 
uh, where this kid could turn into the thing. It was weird. It was bizarre. Uh, it was like but- Ben Grimm 10. <laughs> it was exactly that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, and so I was familiar with it. And so when I see the trailer and you guys have to watch the trailer, it's this action packed adventure of fantastic four. I'm like, Oh, get ready. Cause it's about to go down. I go to the theaters and I've never been more disappointed in a movie. Uh, it was the first time I realized my first movie going experience where I said, Oh, trailers lie to you that all of the action scenes were from the third act every one of like it was the like ben grim crushing the truck was like one of the other scenes then like hey yeah all third act stuff so i was so disappointed in watching this movie and not seeing any action until like the end of the movie Mm -hmm. so that's my experience with the movie however i have changed my mind about this movie. What a redemption story. This movie is really good. Like a lot See, of <laughs> every movie is a miracle. It really is. Here's I because because my expectations were so high for this super action-packed movie, I think that's what thwarted it and what ultimately probably hurt the movie more uh because it's an origin story. Any origin story isn't going to be as action heavy or action packed as what its sequel is going to be. Like mm-hmm. Dark Knight is amazing because we had Batman Begins first. You know, mm-hmm. like we had mm-hmm. Batman Begins and it's still a pretty action packed movie, but it's nowhere near as where Dark Knight starts with like, okay, he's Batman. We know who he is. Let's get into it. Waste zero time. Yeah. Uh, and so, I understood that, but I really enjoyed watching this movie. Like, when uh, Dr. Doom was like, it's time for your demise. Boom. No. It's clobber time. I just shouted, yeah! <laughs> anyway, that, that's what I'll say for now. Uh, that's my full backstory with the movie and watching it again. Uh, I'll get more into it later. But, Grayson, I'd love to hear your yeah. experience with watching this movie for the first time. My entire life, I've been told it's so bad. Not my life. Fantastic Four. And <laughs> and so Sorry. I went in with the lowest of expectations and had a great time. Yeah. I had a really good time. I, I see why it was disappointing to people, a lot of what you said there. But I think it's really difficult to tell an origin story for a hero and tell the origin story for the villain at the same time and retain the patience. Yeah. So even like Dark Knight, both of them jump in there. But I think it still would have worked in Dark Knight if Batman was learning to be Batman and the Joker was already the Joker. Like, there's no Joker origin story. We don't oh, need it. Right. Like, I would have had the patience, more patience, watching Fantastic Four become Fantastic Four and get their powers. Because I think a lot of people, they don't, they're like, okay, space, something happened in space, they come back, that's fine. So if you want to iron out the exact details of that, you can. Or you can pull an Incredible Hulk and just do it all in the the trailer, do it all in the title sequence, yep. and that works too. But like they get their powers super quick, that's fine. I think it's like by the ten minute mark, they're up in space. Yep. I'm like, okay, no, that's good. You actually get your powers pretty early, but they're then not able to use their powers very quickly. Right. And I think that's the difficult thing. And I I want to see them kind of falter in using them and discover them. Like that was kind of my problem with. Uh, fan forestic was they do that one year later jump and i was like 
We missed one of the most formative things. I get that you're trying not to tell an origin story, but you did anyway and then skipped the interesting part of an origin story. But with this, like they, they grow with it. And I think that's why I watched both of the movies back to back is because I got more of their power payoff in that second one yeah. uh, that I was looking for in the first. But the main thing, the, the main thing I'm trying to say is that uh, I just wanted to see more Dr. Doom. Like I, I wanted him to be doomed from the beginning. Like right. by the second scene, we know he's doomed. His name is Von Doom. Like you're not tricking us into think that he's. It's not an Al Ghul situation. Yeah. So I, I just wanted them to be able to like unleash on him more. And what I remember from Fanforstic is that they basically only have like one major fight with Doom, and so it felt like it was missing a whole act. Right. And they do fight with him more in this one, but I was like. Man, I want to see you like unleash everything on him in the second act, lose, and then figure out like how to beat him in in the third act. And they did they did more of that. And so having that there compared to what I'd seen in the past, I was like, you know what, this is fun. I like I, I dig this. This this is this is cool. And I think the biggest thing for me though, where I was like, all right, I'm on board, was Ben Grimm getting what he wanted realizing that it's not actually what he wanted and then making the sacrifice for the greater good. And that was like, okay, that's a solid story. That's a solid hero's sacrifice. It's being a team player, which is what this whole thing is about. And him making that choice was like, there you go. Yeah. You you know what you're doing. It's more than just orange rocks. Like you understand what makes him tick. And uh, I appreciated that. There were, there were things I just appreciated through all of it. Um, I really liked the casting as well. Yeah. And I know tons of people, when it came out, made jokes about like Jessica Alba being the invisible woman. Like, who screwed that up? Being like, <laughs> you're gonna, wait, you're going to make her invisible? Mm-hmm. Like, that was the running gag. Yeah. But I, I really liked her scenes uh, with, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Ian? Ion? Ian Rudford? Ian. Did I say that? Ian, Ian Rudford? Yeah. The guy from Forever, yes. Mr. Fantastic. I really like him. I liked him in Forever. I liked seeing him in, in this. I, th- I thought she had great chemistry with him. But there were so many pieces that when I was watching this movie, I was like, how come no one ever focuses on this? Yeah. This is great. Michael Chiklis is awesome. Chris Evans is basically a pre-Captain America. I mean, it's Chris Evans on motorcycles, shirtless, and diffusing missiles over the Atlantic Ocean. I liked it when I saw it the first time, and I liked it this time. Yes. And so I just had a lot of fun watching it. Yeah. And fun fact about Michael Chiklis, uh, he was one of the main um, people who actually had any familiarity with Fantastic Four, and he actually fought. To have a real thing, like a real life uh, thing rather than a computer generated character. Mm. Um, And he wore 60 pounds of latex, uh, which took him three hours to get into. Um, And they also had to like, uh, they like sprayed cold air in like the top of the suit uh, just to keep him cool. And he was uncomfortable, but he very methodly felt that the thing was a man underneath the rock and that he should be embodying the same thing you, you know see what? I love how it. I'm spelling thing yeah um, <laughs> and 
it i mean i think that that's so great and honestly i think that this iteration of fantastic four is the second best iteration of fantastic four second to the incredibles because the incredibles i still stand is the best fantastic four movie and is the best that we will ever get um and fantastic four is known as uh marvel's first family they are one of the first superheroes to have like a public identity uh in the comics and for everyone to know like oh hey look that's susan storm she's she's the invisible woman as opposed to having like a secret identity Uh, Mm. and I think that knowing more about the Fantastic Four, more about their history, this movie did a really good job of showing that. Now, I will get, like, it's not without, you know, critique. Um, It's not the best movie. There are a lot of things that I think they probably could have done to better use Jessica Alba other than, you know, making her get naked every single time. She's like, oh, God, get naked again. Uh, sure. Or, um, you know, Reed Richard just using his abilities to get more toilet paper. Uh, I, 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 feel, I feel like like that whole thing they could have done differently, or at the very least they would do differently today. Um, but overall, I think that the dynamic of the Fantastic Four was there. They are a family. They are a team. And... They are reluctant heroes, basically. And I think that that's really cool to see how they do become the scientists who just so happen to have superpowers versus, you know, oh, well, I need to be a hero. They're like, oh, no, we're like we're research scientists and we're going to use our abilities to like better humankind and do do all these other things, uh, which I really, really appreciate. I also like the idea that the mutation highlighted aspects about themselves we talked about this in the incredibles episode that each of them have powers that are connect to their personality like the mom that's overstretched or the hyperactive kid and dad has to be the strong for his family uh and the the sister that puts up barriers and things like that it's the same thing here. They it's pretty on the nose a lot of the times when they're like sometimes I just feel invisible. But you look at Michael Chiklis's character and you're like, yeah, Ben Grimm is the enforcer. He's the strong man. Like it it makes sense. Johnny Storm very much like hothead, all the double entendres with hot that like that kind of stuff. Like the same principles apply and I think that's just you know, it, it's strong. Like it, it's just, it's a strong choice. And I felt like the way that all these actors characterize or portrayed these characters uh, reinforced that. Yeah. Like you didn't have Ben Grimm being like, oh, I can't go to space. I'm super weak. And there's like, no, no, I'm rock. Like that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it like it was an extension of who they already were. And they do a great job with Ben Grimm of getting us to like him. Ever like even before he becomes the thing, and yeah. you can see him under there. You're like, I remember when he was that, and so whenever you have these instances, like in in future movies, future uh, comics and stuff, where he is temporarily not the thing, it's actually not that jarring because you're like, those rock. He just has rocks for skin, like, but his character is exactly the same. And so I think this movie did a really strong job at being like, this is who Ben Grimm is as a person. These are the sacrifices in his life. And uh, like the others didn't really have to sacrifice anything. I think a lot of this story leaned on Ben for that hero's sacrifice. And I mean, it's the right choice. 
he he has sacrificed the most and he is the strong one and the one that shoulders a lot of responsibility at least in the direct crime fighting um which makes him a perfect partner for uh reed richards to be able to be like the the peanut butter to his jelly nah, whatever cut that <laughs> It's teamwork. It's just really great teamwork. And I think it's really easy to be like, oh, he's the thing. He's orange rocks. That's the end of it. They gave him a personality. Yeah. And uh, that's not something I was expecting. I thought he was just going to be this big lug of of a shape. Um, I, I didn't really know a lot of the personality of Ben Grimm. And this movie highlighted that in a way that I totally bought into. So... I guess since you haven't seen this before, I guess the only thing I'll add on to the thing I noticed this time that I didn't realize before, um, it has a kind of tone that is very similar to like the early 2000s superhero movie uh, where the the genre isn't fully defined yet. And so it still kind of had almost this teen movie feel. Right, um, yeah. And like, like especially like the whole montage of like, the antics are happening on in the Baxter building. Pranks. Other life stuff. It's like that felt very much like a, a teen movie trope of the early 2000s. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot this thing that happens. And also, uh, I found out that uh, there's a Fantastic Four soundtrack that's not just orchestra. It's like I forget about like there were movie soundtracks that had pop culture songs that would score the movie as opposed to like the symphony that's like underscoring these really intense scenes like there's no like playlist for avengers infinity war you know mm. like there's not like guardians of the galaxy yes guardians because, brought it back but yeah it was a throwback to the previous films like that yeah there's not like a soundtrack to thor you know like mm. although it would be thun uh <laughs> a lightning in the thunder uh probably uh, but yeah, that's just another thing that I'm like, oh yeah, this was 2005. This is what, this is what was standard. Cause I remember I bought a lot of those soundtracks, like the Spider-Man soundtrack. I listened to that so much, especially the track with some 41, but we're not reviewing that movie, but we have, if you want to listen to it, it's on the podcast, uh, playlist, take a look. Uh, but yeah, that, that's just one of the things I'm like, oh Yeah. Yeah, and if there's any doubt that this was made in 2005, uh, when was the last time you heard a MasterCard priceless joke in a oh. movie? They really thought that was going <laughs> to have a longer shelf life. Digital camera, 200. I was just like, oh, wow, he's paying too much for a not iPhone. Uh, oh, that's true. There's a lot packed into that with the digital camera. And I think maybe one of the most unsettling things... Uh, was seeing the Marvel logo on blue. Yeah. I mean... Wasn't that odd? It, it yeah. felt weird. It was like, yeah. No, yeah. no thanks. All right, Grayson, hear me out. Uh, yeah. I To study the effects of podcasts in space, uh -huh. I think that we should go to astronaut school Done. and learn how to fly a big old head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> It's headcanon time. <laughs> Actually, this headcanon is hosted by Mr. Fantastic because it's a stretch. <laughs> headcanon is the part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. 
Grayson, I've never been more proud of a headcanon so early on in the movie. <laughs> Hear me out. Yeah. Fantastic Four is Wizard of Oz. Oh, wow. I can't wait to hear All this. All right, so you know how Von Doom's like, oh, Reed Richards, always reaching for the stars. I'm like, hmm, where have I seen this before? And it's in Wizard First Man. <laughs> oh. Yes, also that. Um, but in Wizard of Oz... Dorothy has all these different tropes for all these different people. It's just like, oh, wow, look at him. He was so scared. She's like, well, you know you're not made of straw. Like, all these different things are just, like, very on-the-nose character descriptions. Um, and it matches. Reed Richards. All brain, no heart. Oh. Um, yeah. And uh, Johnny Storm, the human torch, doesn't think. Don't even think about it. Never do. And then he jumped off. I'm like, uh-huh. Evidence mm. still even there. And come on. The thing. Cowardly lion. You know? Yeah. That's why he wears the trench yeah, coat. Yeah. He's scared the of fedora. what people think of him. Yeah. Although super sad with his wife. Oh, man. Very sad. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of fear. Yeah. And uh, Jessica Alba. She's always running away from the movie. Uh, no, uh, no. And Sue Storm, um, all she wants to do is get home, back to Reed. Oh. Home is where the the heart is. You see. Got it. Home is the Baxter Building. Yes. She wants to get back to the Baxter Building. And Doom is basically the Great Wizard of Oz. You know, he builds this big. He has this big multi-billion-dollar company. He is. He's. He's ego is very inflated and he's portraying himself as greater than he is and he even says i've always sought after great power the oz great and the great and powerful oh that's good i like that fantastic four wizard of oz headcanon that's strong thank you that that, that is a strong first headcanon of the season thank you <laughs> yeah for headcanon i also like the headcanon that uh, this cloud that created these mutations has been around before and is actually responsible for the mutations that led to the early X-Men. Oh my goodness. That this is the kind of second coming of this cloud. They couldn't get to it before. It just kind of like settled in on certain, certain individuals. Yeah, but this time they went straight into it, which accelerated the mutation process, which is great. Being in the Fox universe, they they could easily make that connection. Wow. Um, but again, the the licensing to the other studio makes it a little tricky. Nice. Um, and I do have some headcanon about Stan Lee's role as the mailman uh, in Fantastic Four. I believe that you can pull him into the MCU if you believe that he plays the same character as the mailman that delivered the cell phone at the end of Civil War to Tony Stank. He just uh, went to private delivery. Uh, he left the U.S. Postal Service. And, yeah. But, you know, a delivery man is a delivery man. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, another piece of headcanon that I have here is uh, that Dr. Doom is actually Emperor Palpatine. He loves going to space. He's got a hood, electricity from his hands, and that's how he got the idea for the Vader mask. Um, so that's it. You heard it here. Um, Palpatine is Latverian. I um, love it. But probably my favorite pieces of headcanon actually brings the reality of the Fantastic Four into our world. 
um, that they are real and that Dr. Doom is actually Elon Musk. No. It makes Just too much because sense. because of how easily he was able to get all those people into space. Like you just you just went there like in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. You're Elon Musk. You are Elon Musk. So I like the idea that all of these uh, really smart, rich tech guys are secretly the Fantastic Four, yes. which I guess uh, would mean Mr. Fantastic is like Bill Gates. Um, you have. Uh, I don't know, Steve Wozniak as the thing. Yeah, so I guess Zuckerberg would be uh, Johnny, Johnny Storm. Oh my gosh, right yes. Um, I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know enough tech people. To, I didn't actually write this down. I don't know, I don't know enough tech people to, uh, to build that out. But, you know, they walk among us yes. is the main thing. That's yeah. great. All right, now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast, remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Uh, and I, because there is a gaping hole in the uh, Marvel Netflix uh, world with them canceling things, I think it is time for us to bring uh, Fantastic Four to a television series narrative because okay okay because very similar to daredevil i think the longer form works best for fantastic four um i would love it though if fantastic four was set up um, in a different time period because they you know i would love for them to be like of the 60s or 70s era and it being about um this older group of you know superheroes who basically started out uh what is that legion Oh, yeah. Like Legion. Like, I would love it to like, be yeah. in Legion era, basically try to science their way through figuring out all these different uh, monsters of the week, basically. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. I also, I love the idea of it being a, a longer form story with these. I, I didn't think of it serial wise, but I think that would totally work. I thought of it more of um, how they they built the original MCU of individual films that then come together. So having a Mr. Fantastic movie that then goes into an invisible woman movie, human torch, then the thing. And then it culminates in the fantastic four. So we get to see each of them. They like allude to where it's going, but really get to see each of these people as a hero, like a very flawed hero too. This would probably be a darker version. It wouldn't be as comedic like what we were talking about, but like these are very flawed people. And by the time you get to fantastic four, you're like, they are definitely better together. Like they need to be together. Um, But the thing definitely has enough to support an arc there. Uh, I mean, Mr. Fantastic is the leader. There's a lot you can do. Um, But then each of the four of them can go against an individual fantastic four villain. Mm. And then whenever they come together in, in their ultimate film by then. So you'd probably have Mr. Fantastic go against Dr. Doom in the first one, just because he's so classic. You bring him back in the fantastic four movie. He's stronger, more developed. It's going to take all four of them. We got to bury our differences that we've had in the past and actually be a team. Yeah. Um, I just think it would it would be a pretty great uh, journey, and you would you would release this plan at the top so people aren't like, "What the heck? I saw Mister Fantastic and nobody else in this movie." Like you would know what it's building to, but it's like 
these aren't necessarily origin stories. These are showing you why they're better together. Yeah. Um, which I, th- I think would be a lot of fun and build organically like Avengers or the Defenders, I guess, would be the Netflix equivalent of it. Right. So. I saw this recasting uh, online and I've never been able to get out of my head and I just want it to be a reality so badly. Um, but they have John Krasinski as Reed Richards and Emily Blunt as Invisible Woman. And I was like, yeah, that's perfect. Do it right now. Um, and then to add my own recasting to the rest of the group would be uh, playing Sue's brother and Jody Storm would be Army Hammer. Yeah. Uh, and then to be the thing, you'd have Dwayne Johnson because who better to be the thing than The Rock? I mean, it's in the name. Grayson, I am deleting uh, my headcanon from this episode. No one will even hear it. That's he's, how he's good got the hairline is. for it too. Oh my uh, gosh, I it's so it good. Really of course. Uh, and then as Doom, age it up into uh, Brian Cranston because uh, I think he can do the anger of Doom. Uh, that that is often because uh, I feel like Doom Doom's accomplished. Like he's got a lot to him. He he's moved from the old world and all that. Like he's got history behind him. And if he's too angry, too young, it comes off as the social network. Um, Like, let him have that weight of, like, I've worked for this. I've deserved this. Like, uh, that's why I think Cranston would be be great for it. Yeah. I'm the one who knocks. Like, that kind of thing. And there's been a lot of talk with Avengers 4 of, uh, and sorry if there are accidental spoilers for this, but. Sorry, Grayson. uh, um, Been talk. Sorry, it's Avengers 4-stick? Yes, fantastic Avengers Forestick of uh, what? What is it? Where are they going to go? Uh, there's reality stones, things like that. Are they able to piece together separate realities, kind of pulled together the best versions of different heroes from those alternate realities? Discover heroes that didn't exist in our primary MCU reality, and I, that's a perfect place to find the Fantastic Four. Uh, and I, I think you could easily. Uh, pull them over and, and uh, explore that um, uh, I'm so excited at the possibility of that being an actual thing um, and then you can get Kamala Khan you can do all these things so uh, yeah uh, that's that's all I want to see and I want John Krasinski to to be the leader I love that just to see that gray streak through his hair yeah and uh. I just want people to make memes of him reaching his arm out of frame, coming back in and hushing somebody. (laughs) Love it. Love it. Okay, now we're going to go into our final segment of the show where we share with you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the 2005 Fantastic Four? I recommend the 2005 Fantastic Four because I do think it has a good balance of fun and action i think the action is uh a little it's delayed for sure uh there's a lot of infighting before you actually get to fight doom but they do they do some nice foreshadowing things in this like the first time that reed and ben are looking up at doom they're looking at a statue of him which foreshadows when he basically becomes a statue at the end like they they have some really nice filmmaking choices that that are done here um, they start the story at a good point. I feel like if you're going to do an origin story, uh, these characters 
have a shared history. They already know each other. Uh, no one is really, of the four at least, and with Doom as well, no one's like introduced to them except maybe been to Doom. But they're, they've already dated and broken up. They've already like served together in different military functions. Like It's great. Uh, we, we can move past that. That's why you're able to hit uh, the abilities within the 10-minute mark. And it's like, cool really strong choice so i recommend it for that i also think they do a really interesting thing with the construction that maybe this is why some of that action got delayed from what was highlighted in the trailer but um the concept of forming storming and norming is something that is applied to team building exercises and and companies and things like that they applied that structure to the actual screenplay, which is really interesting. So the first 30 minutes, you're forming as a team for the next uh, act. I guess this movie's only, what, hour 40, something like that. So for the next half hour, so act two, we'll say, so 30 minutes plus, uh, there's storming where they don't know how they feel about these abilities. They want to get rid of them. They're breaking up as a team. Everything's kind of jeopardized. And then for the, the last half hour and the last act, they are norming. They they are the team that we came to see as Fantastic Four. And I think that's what you were alluding to with the trailer where you're like, if you're coming to see Fantastic Four as a team, no, you're not getting that until the last act because that's the norm for them. Uh, so it is pretty heavy on origin. But when you look at how teams are actually formed uh, and created and then ultimately uh, solidified, this movie does that, which is it, it's pretty interesting to to see it from that concept of the psychology of a team is cooked into the framework of this screenplay and, and this film. So um, that's kind of interesting to see. And so I think the development does feel somewhat natural because of it. I recommend this movie because it plants the seed for more things to grow from the Fantastic Four IP. Um, and it's just... It's a lot of fun. It's just so much fun to see. Um, I do recommend, though, that if you watch the first one, immediately watch the second one. Uh, I'm really glad I watched it that way. It feels like part one of two. Um, and so that that is my recommendation of what to do with this movie, is to watch another movie <laughs> right after. That's great. Yeah, I, I would like to start my reasons recommend with a quote uh, by Ken Burns. It is the great arrogance of the present to forget the intelligence of the past. Nice. I, for one, thought, much like many people who come to think of the 2005 Fantastic Four, of like, yeah, that movie was dumb or bad or, you know, just no good. Uh, but ultimately, I do think that this movie needs to be given a second chance, uh, especially when you look at it in the world of superhero movies that was the 2005s. I mean, it it's good, especially when you look at it through the lens of this being one of the first four of the superhero movies that were made during that time. Actually, it might be in the first five um, because they didn't want to compete with World of Worlds, uh, but it there's a lot to be seen like when johnny storm like flamed on and started flying like i was excited i was just like oh yeah 
that's right. This was really, really cool when the, we first saw this because we hadn't seen the Human Torch on screen before. Um, yeah. And it's really cool to see some of the effects and some of the things that they were stretching, pun always intended, uh... at that time. Because this movie did really well and they were trying to explore the depths of computer graphics and how they can better integrate uh practical effects with computer generated ones and it's it's still to me like one of the best looking superhero movies especially with the costumes uh and making the translation from costume uh and comic books to film and also i just really like the fantastic four's team dynamic because i when you look at this movie with all the other superhero movies at that time it gives you something different uh, it's mm. not the same as X-Men. It's not the same as Spider-Man, even even though they kind of did get some inspiration from it. It's not even the same as Daredevil. And that's what I think comics do. They give you different forms of superheroes and uh, different stories and how they interact and how they all exist in the same world together, but yet are completely separate. Uh, they're battling different battles and they have different obstacles. And I think that uh, this movie just doesn't get as much credit as it should because it's it's not the best superhero movie and it's not the worst but it is the most fantastic you did it you did it thank you thank you and uh and that is our review of Fantastic Four. Get rid of the the. It's cleaner. Uh, let us know what you remember about the 2005 Fantastic Four on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks, and it would mean so much to us if you could give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts on the scale of one to five. Uh, <laughs> a scale of one. I know. I know. On a scale of one to five fours, how would you rate this podcast? Uh, yeah, so four is fantastic, but five is superior. Yeah. Uh, that's the that's or ultimate. We'll go with ultimate. Yeah, or so, m- yeah. make it a math equation and give us five fours, and then that's twenty, and then that's math. I don't know what to do with that. And be sure to see you next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. In honor of the Girl in the Spider's Web movie hitting theaters, this very rated R movie, uh, we're going to go on the other side of the web and review the very rated G movie, the live action 2006 Charlotte's Web. And just like in the Dragon Tattoo movies, a pig gets what he deserves. <laughs>